Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big, we go all night, and here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hello and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California. 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. I am joined by Brandon Deutsch and Jake Dicker. Brandon, how are you my friend? Man, I'm doing pretty well. Surprisingly, the Angels, they got a sweep. I'm not used to this. Uh, and by the way, their losing streak, I think, by the way, great writer Sam Blum on uh, for The Athletic covers the, the Angels. He said, I think, the 14-game losing streak started on May 24th. And now they had 27 wins at the time. So I think now they have 28, and it's May 25th. So I wow. think... It's better. It's better than the fourteen-game losing streak. That's for sure. But five games over, you kind of need to win ninety-four games to get into the playoffs in the AL. So glad we're just on a correct trajectory. But I'm not expecting it to last as much as I like the Angels and have been fond of this team this year. I completely forgot about the fourteen-game losing streak. <laughs> yeah, the, the great time. The Angels for sure. literally didn't win a game for two weeks. When <laughs> it started, it started the Phillies winning streak because right. they were ahead by like six runs. I think yeah, Arash remembers remember. this. Rossiel Iglesias gave up the game walk-off home run to Harper. They got hot and we lost 14 games in a row. There was right. that There was that time yeah, a year ago where the Dodgers, it was like Dodgers, Angels, Yankees, Mets were like the top four teams in b- b- baseball. And everyone was like, oh my God, like how amazing is this? Obviously we knew about the Dodgers, but all oh, the Angels. Oh, remember, remember for a moment there, for a moment there last year, Brandon, they were one of the top four teams in the in the entire league. Yeah, just, uh, the AL is so competitive now. The Rangers have like thirty two wins. They can't lose because Bruce Bochy's their manager, which is unfair. I don't know how why he came back because I hate him winning. He always wins every year, as much as I like him. And then at Astros, finally they lost yesterday, but they they have trouble losing as well. So tough division. Yeah, um, guys, we touched on this when the Lakers were down uh, 3-0 to Denver. And I said, really, the entire series can shift with, with, with one game. As simplistic as it sounds, if you win game five, then things... Uh, so sorry, if you win game four, things change. Then all of a sudden, uh, the team that was up is now a little bit concerned. They're, they're starting to think differently. With the Lakers, the unique thing was that if they had won game four, their next game obviously would have been in Denver in game five. Tough to come back in that spot. With the Celtics, listen, we'll see how this plays out. But when you, and we saw this play out a couple years ago with the Clippers, by the way, right? The Clippers lost their first two games at home. And then they found a way to come back and win that series. Now, they they didn't fall back 3-0, but by the way, in that game three, they were down, you know, 20 points and they came back and won that uh, game three, tied up the series, and then they won in game seven. 
what what happens is again you never want to lose your first two home games clearly uh, but what happens is when you're down 3-0 and you have home court free series is this three of the, three you know you you have to win three games right well two of those three are in boston and that game 7 would be in boston so with the heat Listen, uh, not that I felt game four was a must win, but yeah, you don't want to give this team life going into a game five that if they win that game, all of a sudden it's a 3-2 series lead and you're really viewing that game six as a game seven because you do not want to go to Boston for a game seven because again, if you're a Celtics fan, you're a Red Sox fan. And if you're a Red Sox fan, your high watermark for being a fan of that team was 2004. And everyone remembers that comeback. You know, don't let us win a day. Don't let us win a day. You know, we're up the, you know, we're down 3-0, sweep us, but we don't let us win today because if you do, then we win game four, we win game five, six, and seven. So, guys, um, your thoughts on this? Listen, the Boston Celtics extended the series, as simplistic as it is. I, I, I've said at some point in time, we've seen it in hockey, we've seen it in baseball. At some point in time, a, a team in the NBA will come back. Could it be this year? Uh, absolutely. I, I think it can. Um, it would suck. It would be crushing that it is the Boston Celtics, but... I mean, like I mentioned yesterday, if Joe Missoula watches the town before the next couple of games, it could be a wrap. You know, it's a great movie. If he watches it just a few more times, maybe he can find it. No, but in all seriousness, they shot 40% from three last game. That kind of looked like the identity of the Celtics. They were second in offensive rating. They had a historic offensive rating during the year. I know Sacramento was first, one of the highest of all time. Boston was second. So people forget how dominant that offense was during the year. And during the first couple of playoff series, they lost it against the Heat. Heat had the third-ranked defense in the league this past year. Um, so, you know, they were adjusting. Tatum looked good. Tatum's due for some regression today. Um, you know, he does this. He's like the Anthony Davis small forward. You know, he'll have he'll be the best player in the world one night, and then he'll go five out of 25 from the floor. It's about the other guy stepping up. And the reason why I'm going to pick the Heat tonight, and I could be completely wrong. I think the Celtics do have a series. I know Gabe Vincent's out. I know all odds are against the Heat. That is when they beat you. That's when they step on your throat. And I think Malcolm Brogdon is hurt. Um, you know, they just came out with that report. Grant Williams is not going to hit four threes again. Al Horford's not going to hit three threes again. It's going to be about Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and Marcus Smart. And I just think at the end of the day, I'm going to trust Jimmy Butler to get this win on the road as long as it stays close. Yeah, I'm with Brandon. I mean, there's now, now before the Lakers, teams were 0 149 when being down in 03 deficit. Now it's 0 150. Only three teams out of those 150 have forced a game seven. Like getting to that point, like winning four straight games in the NBA when you've already taken three or even you dropped three is. There's a ridiculous mountain to climb. Like, there's a reason it hasn't happened. And, of course, there's a first time for everything. But I really like this Miami team. But losing, like, losing Gabe Vincent is is huge. Like, I don't think people are realizing how big of a loss that could be if he's if he's unable to go. Or he's not playing tonight, correct? He's already been ruled out? He's out tonight, yeah. So, so, yeah, so that's a huge loss. Like, the sentence Kyle Lowry needs to step up 
because Gabe Vincent got hurt just doesn't sound right coming out of my mouth. Like it, that, the fact that Kyle Lowry needs to step up for a guy who, who went to UCSB and is kind of been a journeyman in the league just doesn't sit right. Weird, feel, feels weird coming out of my mouth, but that's that's the reality we're in these days. However, yeah, uh, Brandon hit it on the head. Al Horford, ever since he said that he's an elite shooter, has been absolutely terrible, terrible from beyond the arc. Jalen Brown's been... I mean, we talked about Anthony Davis kind of getting a pass as the second star. Like, Jalen Brown is getting such a pass right here. He's, he's what, 23 points a game. Like, as a championship like contender, number two on that team, kind of he's kind of more a 1B than a 2 also. They're kind of 1A, 1B in Boston. Um, he, he hasn't done anything special. He's been terrible in this series shooting the basketball. So, I mean, I've said I think Boston's the best team left for the last week and a half on this show, but they're not playing like it. Missoula's just holding them down. And in Boston, yeah, they dropped one. But, I mean, they won the first three, and they look like the better team on the floor in all of them. So I'm going to stick with Miami. I think I think they get it done. Yeah, better coach, I think, too. Oh, no doubt about it. That's, mean, that's not even a question. Yeah, I mean. Well, that's, that's important. Yeah. That's like, Brandon, that's like yeah. asking if you'd be better on this show than a third grader at your local elementary school. Yeah. Um, I take the third grader. <laughs> but but Jake, Jake, let me get your thoughts on this because I, I I asked Brandon about this before. The the feeling is that if uh, Joe Mazzula were to lose in the first round, he would lose his job. However, if he somehow comes back from a trio hole, becomes the first team in league history to do that, and then loses in the finals, but again comes back to get there, did Joe Mazzula save his job? I think so. Yeah. Like that's we it's how do you be the first guy to come back from down yeah 3-0 and then get like lose your job? Like it's it would be weird because he's they're only in this position because of the hole that he dug for them. I mean, it's not entirely his fault. Like at a certain point you gotta put it on yeah. the players that are on the floor, but he's not doing them any favors. Here's the interesting thing there, because I think you guys are right. I think Joe Mazzul is probably gone if they lose this round and even if they force a game seven. I think you kind of have to bring him back. So now we kind of get into uh, what do these players think about their uh, coach? And according to Gary Washburn, longtime uh, reporter for the Boston Globe, he's covered the uh, Celtics. Um, he has said that these guys are tired of pretending like they like each other. I saw that. And so, listen, at some point in this process, and it, by the way, it looked like it, that was the case in game three. It looked like that was the case in game three where like these guys are done. They're tired of pretending they want the season to be over. So for them to fight back and and win game four the way that they did in blowout fashion, or at least that they were up 20 at one point in that game. And then now, listen, if, if they find a way to win a game five, I mean, listen, no, no player wants to lose. And when you're that close to the, the NBA finals, you're, you're that's what you're you're, you're playing for. But effectively, they're they're also playing for Joe Mazzulla's job. So I think that's a very interesting thing here. Um, by the way, J.K., I know you're a um, hockey fan as well. Worst uh, conference finals across the board uh, in both sports, not even close. The Florida Panthers uh, swept uh, Carolina. They are off to the Stanley Cup Finals. The Vegas Golden Knights have the ability to, to do the same. I think that series is over in five if it's not a sweep. I do think that's a sweep tonight. The Dallas Stars, 
you know, with their goalie situation, uh, playing without their captain who's suspended for uh, two games. Jake, your your thoughts again? We'll we'll, we'll get back to uh, Celtics team, but you know, a lot of talk about how bad the conference finals have been in the NBA. They've been just as bad in hockey. Yeah, I mean the the Canes. Uh... Panthers series is kind of similar to Lakers Nuggets series in the sense that it was a sweep, but I mean every game was a one goal game. Yeah, yeah. Like, they weren't they weren't crazy blowouts, <laughs> um, but I mean Florida Matthew Chuck is playing the best hockey of his life. They're they're I mean playing out of their mind. Um, Sergey's been unbelievable in the crease, but I mean with Vegas, I mean Jamie Ben, what is he doing? Like yeah, totally. I mean just took his and just slammed it on Mark Stone's throat like Terrible. it was nothing and then got booted out of game four and is now has sitting with a two-game suspension. Um, I would be very surprised if Vegas didn't close it out tonight, though. They've been the better better team in the series the entire way. Um, Dallas is, as you said, going through it in the crease. Uh, Jake Ottinger has been a shell of himself um, after being pretty great all year. And you know, yeah, they're just they're just getting it done at every every aspect of the game. Vegas, I mean, we said it coming into the series, we'd be surprised if they didn't they didn't win this one. Um, even though it was a pretty even series on the on the lines coming in. I think Vegas's series price was like minus one thirty with like a even money if you took Dallas. Um but yeah, Vegas I I, I would I'm actually kind of excited for a Vegas Florida final because it's two teams that no one really expected to be there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the conference finals. There was there was a real world in which all four conference finals in the NBA and the NHL were sweeps. Um, yeah. But Dallas and Dallas and Boston found a way to grab one. So it'll it'll be interesting. Yeah, um, for sure. You know, because with with uh, the Florida Panthers, by the way, uh, very similar to the Heat. By the way, so like I mentioned with the Heat, that game one of the conference finals, you could have had them at sixteen to one. Game one of the postseason. Again, you're talking about a playoff team. Florida, 35 to 1, 35 to 1. And so, I mean, these are usually Wait, like... Uh, just, by the way, I totally yeah. just messed that up. I just said Dallas found a way to get one, but it's game, we're going into game four, not game five. I don't... Exactly. I, totally, no. I messed that one up, but yeah, continue. No worries. Yeah, but I mean, long gods for the teams from Florida. Uh, so we'll see what, what happens with the Heat. By the way, uh, the Celtics have been absolutely garbage at home. Not just this postseason. You go to a, a year ago, the parquet was supposed to mean something. Um, they have not been a good home team. So to your point, Brandon, um, you're not as confident as your pick with your pick, but um, would not shock me. Would not shock me at all if the Heat closed this out in Game 5 uh, again. For whatever reason, hard to, hard to explain the, the Celtics have not been good at home. Um, Jake, wanted to get your guys' thoughts on this. Brandon, you as well. The Oakland A's uh, looks like they finally have the funding for a stadium on the Las Vegas Strip. It'll be at the current site of the Tropicana. The, the good thing there is that you're really kind of in the heart of the Las Vegas Strip across from uh, New York, New York, the MGM Grand, Excalibur, things like that. What that essentially does is you're saying, okay, we're going to have some segment of local fans. We're going to have some segment of the away fans who may be traveling to the games. But you're going to get the foot traffic. You're going to get the foot traffic that comes with, hey, you're in Vegas. Uh, you can see the Blue Man Group. You could see whatever show you want to see. By the way, if you've ever tried to go to a show in Vegas, you know, the tickets aren't that cheap. Uh, so... 
But hey, you want to go see a major league baseball game? Five bucks, ten bucks, fifteen bucks. Maybe you could do a deal where you know twenty dollar tickets get you a um, hot dog and a drink. I think you'll have people in the stands, and I know that's a low bar. But when you're looking at these crowds in um, in um, Oakland, where they're playing in front of two thousand, three thousand, four thousand people, which is why, by the way, if the stadium bill gets fast tracked. There's a thought that they will play at the minor league ballpark in Summerlin, which can hold 10,000. Again, that's a small number, but folks, uh, they're playing in front of nobody right now in Oakland. Uh, Jake, I'll start with you. Uh, can Major League Baseball, and more specifically, can the Athletics be successful there? I think they can. I think they can. I think it'll take some time, but I mean, they need to get out of Oakland. The the crowds that we've seen over the last year plus, especially this year in Oakland, are just off. I mean, it's just embarrassing for the sport at this point. I mean, you're getting. I, I said it a couple weeks ago, but the A's sent out a thing to their to their fans, like whoever's on their email chain, that they could have bought tickets to like the rest of the forty home games or, or something for like ninety bucks. It was like two dollars a game or something. Like they were just begging people to be in the stands like basically doing everything they can without saying we'll pay you to be here um to get people in the seats but i mean my thought with vegas is i mean the people you got to think about the people that are vegas you're probably gonna get a little bit of a younger demographic in terms of baseball fans um you probably get more people in that 21 to 25 range um which is what baseball wants the baseball as a as a league is i mean just trying to get younger in terms of the fan base um, which which I think they need to do. So I think I do think that baseball can survive in Vegas, especially because it's not just the A's. I mean, they're they're building this whole whole sports hub. Whether it, I mean, the Raiders, the Knights, the Aces. So so I do think that baseball can definitely be successful in Vegas. It will be interesting to see how long it takes before they can really fill the seats. But I mean, as long as they're not in Oakland, I mean, it's just embarrassing at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and by the way, I think people forget a lot of times the history of the Oakland athletics and how dominant they were back in the day and how, you know, uh, their fan base was amazing. Very, very motivated. Yeah, they, were playing, very, they were playing playoff games at the Coliseum two and a half, three years ago when they were selling yeah. the place out. Exactly. And, um, you know, Oakland is, uh, they, they have a lot of very passionate sports fans, as we can see with Raider Nation, you know, even before the move um, with Oakland. It's more about the owners not prioritizing the fans or the city. And that started a long time ago. Um, they were cheap. They didn't prioritize anything. Um, and a, a lot of it goes into the politics of the city as well. A lot of the owners wanted to move out because of that and the way the city is going uh, politically and, you know, geographically moving to places where they can make more money. But at the same time, it's sad for the fans, but I think it will survive in Vegas. But what are they going to do with the AAA team for the Mets? Are they going to stay there as well? So they are not with the Mets anymore. They are oh, the, not the Mets, not the, the Mets, my bad. They are, they are like the Oakland. A's. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they would share, uh, from what I've been told, so they would have to go to a turf field. You guys would know this more than I do, the difference between the major league and the minor league. But, um, yeah, they, 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 they said the stadium can accommodate both, but they would have to switch to a turf field. You guys' mm. thoughts there. But, I mean, again, like – it's 
it's either they stay playing in front of two thousand fans, or or they I, 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 they would pack the 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 Summerlin ballpark. The fans there love it. It's a great ballpark. They got suites, club seats. It's totally new. It's about a couple years old. It's in the heart of Summerlin, which again, um, you know, I, I think so. I think that could work. Now, what's the, what's the reason for the turf? I mean, if 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 it was shared, is that? I mean, I assume it's just a maintenance thing. Yeah. I mean, there 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 are a few fields in the league right now that are turf. It's like most of the indoor stadiums. So like Arizona's turf, Toronto's turf, Toronto, Toronto yeah, Tampa Bay's turf, and the I don't know who the fifth is. Um, but I mean, I assume it's just a maintenance thing, given the fact that there'd be two teams playing there, and there's someone on the field pretty much all the time. Yeah. Um, but that would be that'd be interesting to see them play there. It'd kind of be like the Chargers playing in Carson with the the smaller arena or stadium for a year. It'd be interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, uh, the the problem is, I think it's going to be a lot long. I mean, they say if they break ground, it'll be open by 2027. So I think you're looking at three years where they'd be playing there. But um, they listen. I mean, at least at least it would be a full house of ten thousand people, not you know two thousand people in a fifty thousand seat ballpark. So uh we'll see about that all right we'll we'll talk about that we'll talk about the lakers what they got to do in the offseason we'll talk some more about the conference finals all these sweeps when we come back right here on the mightier 1090 in southern california the bet in las vegas and the hawaii sports radio network we'll be right back with the arash markazi show on the mightier 1090 espn radio nothing more valuable it's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment we celebrate living large in the now in a city where time disappears we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever we go big we go all night and here everyone is invited so get loose and get loud this is circa you'll have the time of your life This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California. 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. Just as a reminder, if you have a question or comment, I just want to win tickets to an upcoming game in... Southern California, Las Vegas, or Hawaii, call our hotline 310-400-0340. All right, let's go out to the Circus Sports Guest Hotline and join our good friend Nick Hamilton. Nick, how are you? I'm doing great, Arash. How are you? I am good, Nick. Uh, you are in Los Angeles, but you will be heading to Vegas. I'm on that same trajectory as you. I will start here. Sparks and the Aces playing twice in three days. Um, don't know why that is the case, but listen, thrilled to see it. I'm assuming you'll be at both games. Um, the Las Vegas Aces won their first game by over 40 points. They're favored tonight by, uh, and Jake can correct me if I think it's like 14, 15. I mean, it's, like, it's a crazy line. Nick, is this good for the sport? If, if Las Vegas is going to be this good all year, is this good for the sport? I think it's great for the sport because it puts some eyeballs and eardrums on the sport that is much needed. 
Um, I got the Aces tonight by 28. Um, <laughs> after they beat the, the Storm by 41, as yeah. you mentioned earlier, I got the spot. I got the Storm. I mean, uh, excuse me. I got the Aces by 28 over the Sparks. Um, I think they beat the Sparks both times. I think this this team is just an absolute juggernaut. Um, Candace Parker is a cheat code, especially defensively when she can read those assignments. I think Alicia Clark, as she continues to come along, is going to be incredible. And then once Becky Hammond comes back on Saturday from her suspension uh, that was mandated by the league, especially on ring night, that's when I think the Aces will probably beat the Sparks by 15. Because ring nights are always hard, as we've seen yeah. time and time again in sports. You have that championship banner moment or that ring moment. You know, it's hard for teams to get up, um, especially when they've seen the team already um, within a relative, you know, close period of time. So I think the Aces, if they stay healthy, I think they could really, you know, be the first team in 20-something, 20 years, I believe, to, to go back-to-back in the league. But if I'm the Aces, um, Candace Parker doesn't need to play no, any more, no more, I should say, rather than 25 to 30 games this season. Uh, of a 40 game season. You need to play her like you would treat Anthony Davis. Make sure she's healthy, get her in the games that are important, that matter, and then get her ready for the playoff run. And that's what you need to do. She's in, you know, she's 16 years in the league. Um, she's had some injuries in times prior. You don't want to risk that by trying to get her to play 38 to 40 games in a season. Um, she doesn't need that. You have, you're loaded. You have a nice bench. Um, you have an incredible coaching staff. Um, there's no need to, to push Candace Parker to the limit. Um, so I'm saying 25 to 30 games at least, um, or at the most, I should say, that she should play this season before making it to the postseason. Nick, there was thought to be two super teams this year. Again, only one game in. New York didn't look that great in their first game losing uh, to Washington. Was that a one-game thing? Is that going to take some time there? Yeah, because the difference between – the Aces and the Liberty. The Aces only added two key players, which were Alicia Clark and, and Candace Parker. Right, none of the core were separated. Right, when you look at Jackie Young, Kelsey Plum, the point guard, and, and Chelsea Gray. You know, obviously Asia Wilson, the league, uh, you know, MVP. Um, there was no major, you know, substantial changes. When you look at the Liberty, you had major changes that they built around Sabrina Nisku, which is you know Brianna Stewart, Jan Quill Jones. Um, you know, Vandersloot. You had a lot of key moving pieces um, that you have to that take that will take time to gel. They're gonna they're gonna have their ups and downs. They're gonna go through the you know bruises of the and battles of the season. But I think ultimately, once they figure it out, I think Sandy Brundello is an excellent coach. I think she's a she's a very cerebral uh, coach, and I think it's gonna take some time for them to, to gel. But once they do, they're gonna be a problem in the Eastern Conference. Um, when it comes to battling those teams, especially in the East and across the league itself. So um, it's only going to be a matter of time. And uh, once they get it together, you know, but I can't I can't forget about the Washington Mystics and their defensive uh, you know, presence. They have a very strong defensive presence. I think people are kind of counting them out and not paying attention to them because of the super teams that we mentioned in the Aces and the Liberty. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see Who's going to be that really third team to emerge out of these two super teams? And Nick, I know you're pretty happy about, you know, the Lakers uh, <laughs> dem- demise, which is, you know, we, we talked about it. We knew how, uh, how good Denver was, but uh, I, I know you, I you definitely. Go up two and oh. I could have sworn I told you all that. But anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, sir. it's okay. But I wanted to ask because I know you've been adamant on the show about them moving on from the LeBron AD era. 
what do you think they need to do this off season to possibly, you know, get back to the West finals, which is, you know, unlikely, but what, what do you think they can do? Cause they have some more flexibility. I feel like with some sign and trade options and Rui and Reeves being free agents and stuff like that. Well, what I think they would do and what they will do, obviously are two different things and the smart thing for them to do. They have one or two options. You can either allow LeBron to facilitate a trade, um, whether that be to the Warriors, um, and you get back some younger pieces, maybe a first round pick at some point. Um, or you can trade AD, as I've been saying all along, maybe to the Warriors of Boston or Chicago, uh, or even Dallas. Uh, I know Dallas was very in on a- Anthony Davis um, to pair him up with Luka. So there's some options there. You can get some younger pieces back, get maybe get a shooter or two back, um, especially with, as you mentioned with Rui Hachimura and then Austin Reeves possibly being free agents. Um, but they're, the Lakers are going to have to start their rebuild now. If they want to get back into contention and really become a, a playoff deep team, and be able to acquire, say, another superstar who may become a free agent, you know, a couple of years, a few years down the line, they're going to have to show something that, hey, this is, a, this is a destination for a superstar of a particular caliber to come to. Um, because they're going to end up just like what they did with Kobe. When, when, they were on, when Kobe was declining and Kobe was pretty much about to retire, you know, they were left in the dust. You know, they were those years where young kids they had, they weren't, competitive they weren't interesting until lebron stepped on the scene and then they still had to take time to get to a point where they, they could compete for a championship and i think the lakers if they want to avoid that same result to reoccur i think they're going to have to start rebuilding right now um because the ad and lebron pairing that that's done you know that's that's over like spoiled milk i think it's time you got to move off of one of them whether you allow lebron to facilitate a trade or you actually trade Anthony Davis, um, you got to start now because LeBron possibly has one more year. I know he has a player option for the second year, but he definitely has one more year to play. I don't believe he's going to retire. I think LeBron James comes back. Um, where he goes back to is the is the question. Yeah. Uh, Nick, what was your thoughts on LeBron effectively sort of uh, – by the way, it was the most fascinating press conference because – um, he was clearly hinting about retirement, but no one like specifically asked him. And I had my hand up, and they didn't uh, call me, which is fine. But of course, uh, but, they don't call you. Yeah. Ross. They don't call anybody if you're not the top five major media. Yeah, major media it was. Outlets. It was. You know, we are. Yeah, we are no. The major media I mean, come on now, right? And then so I was like, "Is anyone?" And then so when he's walking off, Nick, like I actually wanted to scream at him, like he's. You know the, you know, you know when the president is done taking questions, and I was like, and people start screaming. Like I was like, LeBron, are you retiring? And then I didn't want to, you know, cause a scene or anything. Anyway, I, I probably should have asked that because you know, uh, you know, like afterwards, Dave and Chris and everyone kind of confirmed it. It was very premeditated, and it is the talk of the league and talk of. I mean, no one's talking about Jokic and Denver. Your thoughts on what LeBron did there? Well, LeBron James is a brilliant marketer. He knew exactly what he was saying. He knew exactly what the stir that was going to cause and to keep his name in the forefront since he wasn't going to be a part of the NBA Finals. 
<laughs> it, was, it was great for him to, to keep his name out there for us in the media to give him free publicity and continue to talk about it and create these narratives and start the question and does he come back? Does he not come back? Is it the Lakers he comes back to? Is it the Warriors or is it this team or that team? Um, LeBron is is is, is brilliant. Um, marketing his name, marketing his brand—that's exactly what he did. Um, LeBron James is not walking away from any guaranteed money, right? You, I think you mentioned that on Twitter. Like he's not leaving yeah. all this money on the table. You know about a farewell tour because I don't think. As much as we respect LeBron, as much as we think LeBron's game is great, we don't revere, I don't think people really revere him in the same way they did with Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant. I think they respect him. I think people like LeBron. I think all the GOAT talk is silly, um, only because you just look at what the impact is. And for people to have these debates with GOAT debates between Jordan and LeBron and skip over Kobe, is absolutely disrespectful. And I say that because Jordan impacted the game. Jordan impacted players. Allen Iverson, obviously Kobe Bryant. But then when you look at the Kobe Bryant disciples, whom he's impacted, that we are talking about now, mainly Jason Tatum, Giannis Antetokounmpo, um, guys like that, you know, Russell Westbrook, James, James Harden, guys like that, you see the remnants of Kobe Bryant the remnants of LeBron James outside of the, you know, being the business mind. Like LeBron is saying, hey, you don't have to wait to retirement to start your retirement plan. Like you can start, still do those while you're playing. And I, I, I applaud him for that. But as, as far as the game goes, you know, it's, I don't think LeBron will be revered in that same particular way. I think he'll be respected. I think he'll be appreciated. But a farewell tour, it is going to go over too well. He's going to get one, Nick, whether or not he uh, uh, makes the announcement. If you remember, Kobe announced it during the season. I think it was kind of uh, yeah, the first half of the season. So th there was enough time for him to get the... The, the you know the, the the you know the surfboard and the rocking chair and all those gifts Le LeBron will certainly get that not that he needs that not that I, I don't know if he wants that or not but listen this is clearly a play from LeBron there's there's no one even in LeBron's camp by the way uh who thinks he's gonna retire he's for sure gonna play now there's certain things he he wants to have happen I I really truly believe he wants to play with Kyrie. Um, by the way, we saw LeBron do this. The Lakers had a championship team in 2021. The fact of the matter is there was no offseason. It was like a 60-day offseason, 70-day offseason. They, they were hurt. They were banged up. They lose to the Suns in round one. Instead of bringing that group back healthy and rested, you know, they, they package, uh, you know, Kuzma, KCP, Harrell, a first-round pick for Russell Westbrook. My my guess is he kind of wants to do the same thing. Yeah, listen, we had a good run. Package a bunch of these guys. Get me Kyrie. I think that would be a huge mistake. Um, but we'll see what what happens there. I mean, it, the the West is very interesting to me because it's Denver and there's a big gap there. Because I, I think with the Suns, they got to figure out what they want to do. Uh, Nick, let's talk about some of these coaches that are, are available. Let's play this out. Let's just say the Heat.
don't completely crap the bed and actually win this series, whether it's in five, six. I mean, it'd be a heck of a thing if, if it got forced to game seven. But uh, Doc Rivers is available. You got uh, Monty Williams available. Nick Nurse, Mike Boonholzer, Frank Vogel. Let's go through this. I mean, if you're the Suns, for example, you got two of the top ten players in the world. Who is the next head coach there? Well, also, too, you possibly could have Ty Lue. Because if Ty well, Lue and the coaches don't go. work out, well, um, listen, that could be a destination for him, too. I think Ty Lue will know exactly where he's going if something happens. I, I don't think Ty Lue's leaving to take some time off. I do think there's a lot of talk within the league, right, that Ty Lue is available now, do the Clippers basically push their hand and say, hey, listen, you could have Ty Lue, but you got to give up a, a first-round pick or a, a, a two two number twos or something like that. I do think Ty Lue is available, but it would have to be one of those things where the Clippers know who, who's coming and Ty Lue knows where he's going. For example, with Milwaukee or Phoenix, if Ty Lue's going there, the Clippers got to know, okay, Tyloo's gone, but we're getting one of these key guys. We're, we're, we're getting, you know, Mike Boonholzer. We're getting Monty. We're getting someone like that. Yeah, I think, I think you're good at Clippers. You have to figure out who you're going to get. It's going to be better than what you already had, right? And I think, that's the, I think that's pretty much the narrative for a lot of these teams that have got rid of their coaches. I think when you look at the overall of some of these coaches, it's like, okay, the Suns was a knee-jerk reaction. I don't think Monty Williams should have been fired. I think he should have been given another year. I think the, the ultimate thing is, regardless of what coach goes to Phoenix, you're going to have to figure out what goes on with DeAndre Ayton. Do you trade him? Um, and if so, where do you trade him to? Now, Dallas could be an option if you want to flip him for Dallas' upcoming first-round pick and get some other pieces in that that you need to rock to fill out your bench. I think that's an option. So I think Phoenix has to figure out what they want to do with DeAndre Ayton as well as their next head coach. So they have two They have two problems they need to answer before they go any further. Um, when you talk about Nick Nurse, if Ty Lue does go, move on from the Clippers, can you look at Nick Nurse or Monty Williams? I don't see that. Obviously, Doc Rivers is not coming back. I can see Doc Rivers possibly with the Milwaukee Bucks. And going yeah. To that new challenge with Giannis. Um, but I think when you look at Doc Rivers, I don't think Doc Rivers can get you to the promised land anymore. No, um, yeah. He's done. He's been, the, the, the times he was successful was when he was with those Boston teams. Um, he hasn't reached, he hasn't sniffed the draws of the NBA Finals since. Um, and that's, that's a, a consideration you can take in, uh, especially with Philly wondering if they're going to bring back James Harden or not. Um, that's going to be another dilemma. So, again, Phoenix and Philly have similar dilemmas about their players and their coach. I think Milwaukee, you want to look at what does Giannis want? Who does Giannis want? And I think if you're the front office, you have to consult with Giannis on what type of coach you want. Um, I was hoping that Ime Adoka, if he if he – did get another head coaching job, it would be with a contender because I think Ime Adoka, um, as we've seen with the Boston Celtics, has been pretty successful. I don't know, it's, it's going to be a coaching carousel. It's going to be a merry-go-round. There's going to be a three-ring circus, Arash. Yeah, I feel you. But, uh, yeah. I'm... 
We'll see what happens there. Uh, Brandon, your your thoughts on where these coaches end up? Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I think Monty Williams to the Clippers would be great. Uh, and Ty Lue going to the Suns. Uh, again, I don't see a scenario where the Clippers long-term stay with Tyrone Lue. I know that Tyrone Lue. I know that they say, okay, this is our guy. But there's a disconnect there. Let's be real. There's no way Lawrence Frank wanted... Marcus Morris playing serious minutes down the stretch. That was a, I feel like a shot at Lawrence Frank at the front office saying, I want to do what I want. And I don't see this relationship between, regardless of who's in the front office, because I know Winger just left to go to the Wizards. I don't see Louis liking being the Clippers head coach. I think eventually it's going to wash up and then something's going to change. I think the Suns would be perfect for Tyrone Lou, in my opinion. And Monty Williams would be perfect for the Clippers. I saw there was a tweet put out yesterday that said that the Suns are down to five guys. Um, Nick Nurse, Frank Vogel, Doc Rivers, uh, Jordy Fernandez, and uh, Kevin Young, who's one of their assistants. So, I mean, if you're thinking, I mean, I understand with Ty Lue, it's not like they can just throw him out into a finalist conversation, given the fact that he has a job. Um, but, I mean, Doc, Doc Rivers, I, I don't see Doc fitting in Phoenix. I just don't. Um I- yeah. Yeah. I've said this a thousand times. I think Doc Rivers is perfect for a team like the Magic. That's fine choking in the playoffs, but getting there. He's great at getting you to the promised land, yeah. a younger team, a team that, you know, he's a good uh, regular season coach. So I don't see him with the Suns. Frank Vogel would be a good hire. Yeah. I think Doc, Doc at this point is kind of like the bridge guy that you would take in a, a guy like in, uh, in Orlando or like in, I don't want to say Houston. They, they got, they got email. They did the right thing there. But um, yeah, I just feel like he's reached his where you're at with with what he can accomplish down the line. So I mean, Vogel would be interesting. Nick Nurse would be interesting. But I mean, Kenny Atkinson's gonna get a job somewhere. So this it'll be interesting to see where all these guys land. I yeah, think I mean, Doc Rivers yeah. would be great for NBA TV. You know what? <laughs> you're probably not wrong because here's the thing: Doc, for the longest times, was such a simple sell. I mean, the media loves him. He's great with the media. He's won a championship. The further we get removed from that 2008 championship, uh, and again, he did lead the Celtics back to the finals in 2010, losing in Game Seven, losing a three-two series lead. That is the lead story with Doc. When Doc comes in, he's a coach who. And again, the reason no other coach has done this is no other coach is still allowed to coach if they've done half this. He's lost, I think, 10 game sevens. He's lost seven times when he's led 3-1 or 3-2 in a series. It is really hard to sell that to a fan base that has a competitive team that wants to bring in a coach. Again, yes, he's won a championship, but it was a long time ago. Nick, I will see you this weekend in Las Vegas, my friend. You're the best. Guys, it's been a blast. That's all the time we have for today. Let's do it again tomorrow. Until then, this is Aras Markazi saying stay safe and stay healthy. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hustle for the cash, so it's hard to knock it. Everybody got their own thing. Currency chasing worldwide through the heart. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.